And I'm excited about this brand new series we're starting today called Walking with Giants. There's all these great Bible characters all throughout the Bible, and I'm going to just touch on a few of them over the next few weeks. I'm excited about this series. And today we're talking about Abraham. Abraham kind of started it all, all the way at the beginning in Genesis. We're going to unpack his life a little bit. I don't have time to cover all the details of his life, but I want to give you sort of an overview because I believe he is where a lot of us are in life, waiting on a promise from God that hasn't happened yet. Maybe that is where you are today. Then you will be able to relate to Abraham. I'm excited about this message. I'm ready to dive right in. You guys ready? Oh, come on. You guys ready or not? All right. So today we're talking about how do you stay faithful when you're waiting on something for God to come through in. And and Abraham definitely lived that way. Let's start off in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, by the way, his name first was Abram, then God changed it to Abraham. Abram actually means uh, exalted father, but Abraham means father of multitudes. Now this guy didn't have one child yet but God was about to speak to him profoundly about that. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God says, Abraham, pack up your stuff, you're moving. Where are we moving to, Lord? I'll let you know. So he's like, so so where's that exactly? Could you just point me out? Just, I'll let you know. Like he doesn't even tell him where he's going yet. I love this because I could relate to a little bit because when I was in seminary, my wife and I we were praying about what God would have us do and the Lord put my heart to go plant the church. I just didn't know what city that was going to be in yet. I knew I was going to plant the church. I had no idea where that was going to be so I can relate to this. But because of that, I, I knew that God was sending me somewhere. But I believe that most of us forget that God's sending all of us somewhere. And so I want to challenge you. The very first thing we see Abraham did is something we need to do too. I want to challenge you, number one, to live sent. Live sent by God. God has sent you to the family you're in. God sent you to the job you're in. God sent you to the school you go to. God sent you to the town you're in. Some of you are like, no, I grew up here my whole life. And God sent you straight from heaven to here. Either way, you have been sent by God. You may say, yeah, but you don't know the place that I work. It's really a dark place. Then God sent you to be a light in a dark place. You are sent by God to make a difference right where you are. You're sent by God. He has a plan for you specifically right where you are. Uh, Hudson Taylor was a famous missionary. In his older age, he would interview missionaries, that wanted, candidates that wanted to go to the mission field. This man came to him. He was a one-legged school teacher from Scotland. And he said, I feel called to go to China. And Hudson Taylor said, I don't know how you could do that. You only have one leg. Why do you feel called to go? And he said, with only one leg, he said, I don't see anyone with two legs going, so I should go. <laughs> Love that. Just simple heart. And so he said, okay, go. So he did. And so I just want to challenge you in the same way. God has given you the ability to go make a difference. And so whatever it is that God called you to, live like you are sent there because you have been sent to make an impact and to make a difference. Now it goes on to say this, and I will make you a great nation. So God's speaking to Abram. He says, I'm going to send you someplace. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is, of course, now we know referring to the fact that through the lineage of Abraham, ultimately you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the way down to Jesus. And through Christ, the whole world has been blessed because he brought salvation to the world. So through the lineage, through the family line of Abraham, we are all blessed. So 
He says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, pack up your stuff, I'm going to move you to another town, I'm going to give you a land. He promises him a land, they call it the promised land, literally. And so I promise you, I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you a family, I'm going to bless you through your family, the whole world will be blessed because of you, right? So he has this great promise from God. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is to get a promise from God. Get a promise from God that he will initiate this, not you. So many of us already have a promise from God. Maybe God promised you something. Maybe you're single and the Lord has promised you a husband or a wife. Maybe God has promised you a child that hasn't happened yet. Maybe God's promised you a great career. Maybe God's promised you a house one day. Maybe God's promised you health. Maybe God's promised someone today that their child will come back to the Lord. What is the promise that God has given you? Here's a promise God gave me over 25 years ago. Acts chapter 2, verse 47, when the Lord put in my heart to plant the church, he gave me this verse. Acts chapter 2 says this, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I stood on this verse for the last 24 years now, and I said, God, based upon Acts chapter 2, verse 47, you added people to the church daily. So Lord, I'm asking you literally to give us over 365 people a year. Would you just grow our church by 365 people a year? Do you know in the last 24 years, God has delivered on that promise every single year? God has, keeps his word. You can trust in God's promises. In fact, I think it's interesting that, that we know that he says, hey, I'm going to bless you and your family. Now, what, what, what family line is that? Well, Abraham obviously is, is the Jewish people, the people of Israel. And uh, let me just ask you do, you, do you have any Jewish friends? I do. And let's just ask, let me just be real practical right now. Are they blessed? Let's just be real practical. I mean, the, the friends I know that are Jewish, yeah, they're blessed. They have great family life. They're blessed financially. They've got a great business. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I mean, the Lord has come through for them just as he said he would. And in case there's any doubt about this, I did a little research, by the way, on the Jewish people. And so just here in America alone, only 2% of the U.S. population is Jewish, yet 25% of the wealthiest Americans are Jewish. Think about the percentages of that. That's, that's incredible. Uh, did you know that, uh, that, that there's only 2%, again, 2.4% to be exact, Jewish people in America? Did you know that of all the Ivy League schools, roughly 20% of all Ivy League school attenders are Jewish in descent? Think about that. The top schools in America, one-fifth of them are Jewish, only 2% Jewish population? I mean, they're way overrepresented. In fact, Columbia University alone has 24%. Brown has 19%, Cornell 17%, University of Penn 17%, Yale 13%. I mean, wow, talk about a blessed people. Did you know that in the world, there's only 0.2% of the world, 0.2, not, not even 1%. 0.2 of 1% of the people of the whole world is Jewish, yet 22% of all Nobel Prize winners are Jewish. I mean, you talk about a blessed people that are literally blessing the world. It's incredible when you look at the, the stats. Did you know of, of the Forbes 400 wealthiest people in America, 30% are Jewish? One third. I mean, I think it's obvious that God has kept his promise that he would bless his people. And if you and I accept Christ in our lives, we are adopted into the family. How great is that? Now, by the way, what we're talking about here, yeah, it's pretty cool to know that God, God can, be, can be counted on. He can be trusted. Now, another thing I just want to point out here, this is actually called in, in, in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, the scholars call this the Abrahamic covenant. There's multiple covenants. There's a Davidic covenant. There's a new covenant. Uh, there's the Mosaic covenant. But the Abrahamic covenant is unique. And let me tell you why. 
The Abrahamic covenant is unconditional. There are conditional covenants like the Mosaic covenant, which is the Mosaic law. Basically says, keep the Ten Commandments and I will bless you. If you don't keep the Ten Commandments, you won't be blessed, right? Uh, but this commandment, this, excuse me, this covenant is unconditional. In fact, literally, Abraham took an animal, sacrificed before the Lord, they split it in half. Then God took his finger like a torch and wrote through it, just put his finger all the way through it. Because a covenant, for two people to be part of a covenant, that means they have to both walk through the remains of the animal. And if one person keeps aside, but that's basically saying God says, I'm going to keep my end whether you keep your end or not. Think about that. And so I got some great news for you. Turn to the person next to you and you say, I can't blow it. Just do that right now. Would you just turn to the person next to you and you say, I can't blow it. Finally, something I can't screw up. I'm so happy. <laughs> I can't mess this up. God, will bless, God says, I'm not going to bless you because you're good or bad. I'm going to bless you because I'm good. Wow. Isn't that amazing? He says, all you have to do is accept me and I'll bless you. <laughs> like, what? That's it? That's an amazing blessing. Now, yes, it's true. You can be more blessed if you obey God. Absolutely. I mean, you can definitely hurt your own life. I mean, there's plenty of Jewish people who have also disobeyed God and God has judged them and, and brought some, some curses on them. But, but as, a, as an all in all, the people of God are blessed. And that's not based upon what they do or don't do. It's based upon the unconditional covenant of God that you and I have been grafted into, we've been adopted into, if we accept Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And so, and so this is a, co a covenant that God gives us. God keeps his promises and he blesses his people. He really does. In fact, you know, I just want to encourage you to get a promise of your own. In fact, if you want to grab your phone right now, you may want to pull your phone out because I want to give you something you're going to take a picture of. I just wrote down a handful of promises that you may want to claim in your life. You may not want any of these, but I promise you there's a promise for God uh, of God for you. In fact, there's over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. Here's just a handful. Maybe you need hope today. God promises you hope in Jeremiah 29. God promises you purpose in Romans 8. God promises you life. Maybe you're struggling with your health. God says, uh, you will live and not die in Psalms 118. God promises healing. How about this one? Maybe you have a child that's not obeying the Lord right now. Maybe he's really, he or she is really wandering from God. God says, I will bring back your child. How about this? God just promises, I'll bless you straight up. And so this is just a handful, but there are so many promises of God. And those are like blank checks waiting for you to fill out. God says, I have given you promises and he's given specific promises for you. Certain verses just jump off the page of you. That's a promise of God for you. Someone needs to stand on a promise of God today and say, God, you're a good God. You're unconditionally good to me. And I pray you'd bless me. He will. God really will bless his people. He has blessed you. You say, well, why is it that Jewish people are so blessed. I mean, well, first of all, God says that they are, but can I tell you one of the reasons, the biggest reasons I believe that they live so blessed? You know why? They actually believe they're chosen. Do you know what? You're chosen too. You've been chosen by God. It says in scripture that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. God says that in first Peter. Did you know that? And so you and I are chosen so we can live into the promise of God and recognize that he does want to bless us. He has promises for us that he wants to fulfill. You just have to believe you're chosen. I believe that I've been chosen by God to make an impact in, in this community. I believe that God has chosen us in every place that we have a campus. I believe God said wherever, in fact, the Bible says, wherever you put your foot, I will bless you. So I take that to mean God says, every, wherever you put a campus, I'm going to bless it. I believe that. It doesn't always work out perfectly, but I will tell you this, by and large, God blesses what his people do. It's really true, isn't it? You can trust in the Lord. 
get a promise from God. He initiates this, not you, and stand on that promise. Some of you are, are believing God for a child. Maybe you haven't been able to get pregnant yet. God says, I will provide. You, you, you can trust in him, but I need to warn you, a couple years into that promise, that little promise will talk back to you. Just need to let you know about that. <laughs> but God really keeps his promises. You can trust in the Lord. Here's another thing that happens here in Genesis chapter 12. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He says, hey, I'm not just going to bless you, Abraham. This isn't about you. This is about you and your offspring, the next generation. So I really believe, number three, when God speaks to you, it will impact the next generation too. It doesn't stop with you. God doesn't want to just bless you. He wants to bless the next generation as well. Let me just ask you something. How many of you found Christ, you, you became a Christian when you were under the age of 18? If you did that, would you hold your hand high? If you, you found Christ under the age of 18, hold your hand high. Now look around. Look at all the hands that are up right now. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that 80% of people that become Christians in their life become a Christian before they're 18? Which means that only 20% of people after the age of 18 accept Christ. This is why we're so focused on children and students here. Did you know that? Scripture says this. It says in Joel chapter 2, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. And it doesn't say you will prophesy. Nope, it says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. How many of you are like, oh, I want God to use me and prophesy and speak through me. Great things are going to happen. But how much of you would even like it better for your children had that experience? Like, I want my kids to experience God like that in a fresh new way. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I'll never forget sitting in the back of a camp when I was about 13 years old, the camp seekers out there preaching, and something in my spirit just spoke to me and said, you'll do that one day. I was just a 13-year-old kid. I had no idea. I remember just, I wasn't even paying attention. I was looking around at the girls, and all of a sudden, <laughs> God says, you're going to do that. And I was like, what? I remember looking at that guy preaching, and just something in my spirit said, that's what I'm going to do. That was one of the ways I knew God had called me. And so God will speak to them just like God spoke to me, and he'll speak to you as well. When God speaks to you, it will always impact the next generation. Look what happens here in Hebrews chapter 11. This refers back to Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. This is really important. We do this. Number four, obey God without knowing the results. We have to be willing to obey God without knowing how it's going to turn out. I didn't know when we moved to this city that the church would turn into this. I didn't know, I didn't know a single person in this town. But we knew God had spoken to us. You don't have to have a guarantee. God's word is your guarantee. And so obey God without knowing the results. Galatians 3 says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. You and I are part of the promise God gave Abraham. That's why we're here. We're his children. We are literally spiritual fruit because of Abraham's obedience. When you obey God, you may not know how it's going to turn out, but with God's promise, it always turns out right. You can trust the Lord. And so quit waiting on God to show you the final answer before you give him your yes. Give him your yes when you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. There's a guy named John Gilbreth. He worked for President Lyndon B. Johnson. Uh, he went home one day. He was really tired, and he'd been working really late the night before. He went home, and his housekeeper was there, and he said, hey, I'm going to go take a quick nap. His, family, his wife is there, too. He said, hey, Emily. Emily was a housekeeper. Emily, please don't let anyone interrupt my nap. I'm really tired. She said, yes, sir. So he goes to lay down. About an hour into his nap, 
the president of the United States calls his house. He says, this is Linda B. Johnson. I need to talk to John Gilbert. And Emily, who had answered the phone, says, oh, I'm sorry, sir. He's sleeping right now. He said, I understand. I'm the president. Please wake him up. She says, sir, I can't do that. He said, I'm the president of the United States. She said, sir, I know that, but I don't work for you. I work for him. <laughs> About an hour after this, John wakes up. Here's the president called, calls him back. The president says, who is that lady that works for you? You tell her I want her to work for me in the White House. <laughs> I want to encourage you that when you have a word from God, it's the highest authority. Stick to that word. I don't care what anyone else says. Stick to the word God gave you. You can count on him. When he speaks, he means it, and he always comes through. Now, when God told Abraham that he was going to not only have a child, but be the father of many nations, of a whole nation, when God told him he'd be a father of multitudes, he didn't even have a single child. And by the way, when God told Abraham this, Abraham was 75 years old, and his wife was 65. You do the math. Can you imagine today he came home, hey, baby, and she hadn't seen that look in his eye in a very long time. And she's like, what are you doing, Abraham? What are you, what's going on right now? I mean, this is crazy. God's like, I'm going to give you a child. I'm sure Abraham was like, do you have any little blue pills with that? No, you can trust me. Okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but uh, I trust you, Lord. God made parts work that hadn't worked in a long time on both of them. And God came through. But by the way, it didn't happen overnight. God came through. By the time God came through, Abraham was 100 years old. 25 years waiting on the promise of God. Huh. Huh. You're like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, one thing I've learned about God, he doesn't fast pass anybody. There was a wait for all of us. The Bible says, wait on the Lord. He doesn't say, for those who need to wait, wait on the Lord. He says, wait on the Lord. Why does that verse apply to all of us? Because we all have a wait. It takes time for God's promises to come through for you. Now, this is a big warning right here because Abraham and Sarah got impatient. So Sarah, Sarai was her name actually. Later, God changed her name to Sarah. Sarai, by the way, means contentious, quarrelsome. And then later, God changed her name to Sarah, which means a noble woman. Maybe, honestly, maybe you've been drama in the past. And God's saying, that's who you think you are, but I know who you really are. You're a great woman of character. So Sarah was contentious before, quarrelsome. In fact, just uh, one little simple example. She went to Abraham and said, hey, Abram, you know what? We've been trying to have a baby for a long time now. You know what? It's not happening. So why don't you just, you know, impregnate my assistant, Hagar? I'm sure Hagar was like, uh, do I have any say in this? Like, what's, what are we talking about here? So he says, hey, sleep with Hagar, get her pregnant, and we'll let that be our child. So Abraham agrees to this. That was his first mistake, right? Like, what are you thinking? This just turned into Mari Povich really fast. <laughs> so he does. It says in Genesis chapter 16, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to, uh, Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has permitted me from bearing children. Go into my servant, and it may, that it may be that she'll obtain a child by, uh, will, shall obtain a child by her. Excuse me. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Big mistake. Sometimes we don't need to listen to the voices around us, even those closest to us, if it's different than what God told you. Now, that may be a real challenge of your faith, but I'm serious. If, if God spoke something, you've got to hold on to it. It's very rare. I'm not saying do this very often. But there are moments when God gives you a word that you have to trust in 
that word. In fact, just a, a few, uh, a short time later after Hagar gets pregnant, it says in Genesis chapter 16, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So now, now Sarai's mad at Hagar. She's like, I can't believe you're, you're pregnant with my child. And Hagar's like, what the, you're the one that told me to do this. And now you're mad at me? I mean, just gets jacked up. And by the way, if you read the whole story, and I don't have time to go into it, eventually, uh, basically, Sarah says, uh, me or her, we're not both going to be in the same home anymore. And so Abraham puts Hagar out, and you may say, that's unfair. It is unfair. It was wrong. It was unfair. It is. But what was he going to do? And so you may say, well, okay, so God's promise worked for Sarah, but not for Hagar. No, no, no. God said, I will bless all my descendants. So guess who else got blessed? Ishmael did. And there's lots of evidence, even in history to this day, that Ishmael and his people are also blessed. And they've multiplied like crazy. And so God's word blesses you, whether you are Sarah, whether you've been contentious and quarrelsome, and God says, no, now I'm going to make you noble, or you've been Hagar, and Hagar means forsaken. Maybe you're the one that's been forsaken. You're like, I mean, I thought I was starting a family, and, and now the man I love went and started a family with someone else. God says, I got you. I got you too. You can trust the Lord, even when we make a mess of things. God is still in control. Someone needs to get this in your spirit that God is still with you. His promises is for you also. He's got you. You can trust in him. The Lord will take care of you. But this is important. Number five, don't take matters into your own hands. That's what Abraham and Sarah tried to do. It didn't work out. It worked out horribly. And then God came back and said, no, I told you you're going to have a baby with Sarah. And then God allowed them to get pregnant and have Isaac. But I want to tell you right now, when you get impatient is when you make mistakes. I just want to warn you, just because it hasn't happened yet, don't try to force something and make something happen on your own. You said, well, I haven't got that promotion yet. I haven't got the job opportunity. I'm going to march in my boss's office and let him have it. Not a good idea. That's a good way to not only not get the promotion, not even keep your current job. Don't force it. Oh, I've been trying to find a godly man or woman to marry. I can't find them, so I'll just marry this person and turn them into a godly person. It doesn't work like that. It's not fair to them. And also it's not fair to who you're not holding out for that God has for you. Wait on the Lord. I would rather you not be married than married to the wrong person. God wants to protect you. I just want to warn you that sometimes we try to manufacture, so we're trying to make something happen. Sometimes the promise doesn't make sense. Kind of like when the Lord told me just a few years ago, right before COVID hit, that we were going to open seven more campuses, and now we're hardly filling up what we have. And I'm like, wait, did I, did I hear you, God? Trust in the Lord when things don't make sense. He still has a plan. Does that make sense? So I'm going to hold on to the Word of God, and it eventually will make perfect sense. And God will come through. And by the way, we're filling back up. God's bringing His people back. i got to hold on to the promise, Right? Hold on to the promise that God will bless you, that God will bless your, your family, that God will take care of your marriage, that he will bless your health. You gotta hold on to the promise of, promises of God and, and don't take it into your own hands. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 when she gave birth. Can you imagine a nine-year-old woman coming with a big pregnant belly? Hey, I'm here to give birth. You'd be like, what was that? Could you imagine that? And yet she did. So you never know what God can do and what God will do for you. And so trust in the Lord in his timing. Now, at this point, when we fast forward the story, Abraham now has Isaac, the promised child that God told him he'd have. And then one day the Lord tells him, hey, Abraham, go up to Mount Moriah, take your son tomorrow with you and sacrifice him to me. 
uh, what was that? He's like, yeah, yeah, I want you to sacrifice your child. And my favorite part of the story isn't that he went up to the mountain to do it. My favorite part was the next morning he got up early to get things ready. He didn't even hesitate to obey God. Now, if you're like me, you'd be like, okay, Lord, this doesn't make any sense because you promised me a child and now you want me to sacrifice him? But see, that's the problem. See, we keep trying to make sense of things that God just told us to obey. So he gets his son, who, by the way, is a teenager now. Abraham, Abraham's over 100 years old, and he's got a teenage son. So I just put that in perspective for a second. You think you're tired as a parent, right? <laughs> now just imagine, who do you think is stronger? The 100-and-something-year-old or the 18-year-old? So he tells his son, hey, grab some wood, carry it up. We're going to build an altar and make a sacrifice to God on top of Mount Moriah. His son, Isaac, says, okay, Dad, do you want me to grab an animal? He goes, no, God will provide. He's like, Okay. So he carries his own wood up to the mountain. He gets up there. He builds an altar. He says, put the wood on the altar. Now, son, I need you to lay down. I'm going to tie you up. See, the son was old enough to be like, uh, no, you're not going to do that, dad. I'm not. But he didn't do that. His, his son willingly laid down. He trusted his father. He was a willing sacrifice. Then the father, Abraham, grabs a knife, raises it above his son, is about to kill the very promise that God gave him. And he was willing to do it. And right when he was about to do it, all of a sudden God says, Abraham, Abraham, stops him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Your timing was really close there. <laughs> and look what God says to Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by, by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. On Mount Moriah, God had provided a ram caught in a thicket. The word thicket comes from the same word for crown of thorns. And did you know it was on this exact same mountain that Christ died for you and I? And so God tells Abraham, no, 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 I'm going to spare your son. But then God tells you and I, but I will not spare mine. And he gave his son for us. But Abraham was willing to sacrifice even his dream because his God was more important in his dream. Could God be messing with your dream right now? And you think maybe the Lord's not coming through when really God always comes through. Could it be that God's withholding some, some part of the dream? He's causing a hesitation, a little kink in the dream because God's saying, do you trust in me or is this just about the dream? Oh, but Lord, I know you're going to provide a spouse for me. God's like, uh-huh. And every single prayer you ever pray is about this spouse. When are you going to make it about the Lord? Or is everything just about, God, what, here's what I want you to give me. Are you seeking God's hand or are you seeking God's face? I mean, is every prayer about you being blessed? Is every prayer about your career, about your finances, about your health? Is every prayer about your marriage? Is every prayer about your child? Is every, God's like, you know, there's a whole world going on beyond the very thing you're asking. I love this church. You guys know I do. I mean, we founded it. We, we, we believe in this. This is the dream God gave me. But sometimes the Lord reminds me that this church, it isn't mine. It's his. And sometimes I say, okay, God, I just want to once again hand this over to you. This is your church. Sometimes I believe the Lord lets hiccups happen in our church to remind me not to trust in the church, but to trust in the God of the church. So I want to challenge you that maybe God's withholding, not because he's not going to come through, but because he's saying, what is this really about? 
And so what does that mean for you and me? It means that we need to make sure to love God more than the dream God gave us. Make sure you love him more. In other words, submit your dream to God. And if you'll do that, then God can know that he can trust you and then he will come through for you. Probably the key verse, my favorite verse in all the scripture we've been reading is Genesis chapter 18, where Sarah laughs. A man of God comes and is a God representative and Sarah laughs when the man says, yeah, you're gonna get pregnant. Sarah hears it in the other room, starts laughing. The man of God comes to her and says, are you laughing? She's going, no, I'm not laughing. He's like, yeah, you are. She's like, okay, yeah, I am. Basically, she was laughing because it's so crazy. I'm an old woman. You're going to get me pregnant? Like, are you, this is nuts. And so she laughs. And then the man of God says this famous line, is anything too hard for the Lord? Here's my question for you today. Maybe you're having doubts. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God, I can't get past this addiction. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God, I'll never get through this legal battle. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Lord, my, my kid just won't obey you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God, my marriage just, just isn't on a firm foundation. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I don't know what you're waiting on, but don't quit waiting on God because nothing is too hard for the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment. Maybe God brought you today so he could tell you, you can trust in him. His promises are true. He can be counted on. Maybe you're hurting today because it's something you need God to come through in. God is saying to you, is there anything too hard for me? I got this. If you need to hear God tell you that today, just lift your hand high to him and just thank him. Just say, God, I thank you that I can trust in you. I thank you that with this problem, you got it. Your word says you got it. So I trust in you, Lord. I don't want to live in doubt. I want to live in faith. And I believe that my God, the same God who came through for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will come through for me. Make that your prayer today. I know you'll come through. I trust in you, God. Thank him in advance for the way he's going to answer your prayer. Thank him in advance for the way he's going to come through for you. Our God is that good. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, in the same way God provided a ram for Abraham, God provided the son as a sacrifice on that same hill, Mount Moriah, also where Golgotha happened, also where Christ gave his life. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to individually receive him. You can pray this prayer and receive Christ right now. Across all of our campuses, those who are watching online, pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around, would you please lift your hand high? If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our campuses. Thank you, Rodfield. Thank you, Stone Oak. Just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Thank you. All the way to Padre Island. Thank you. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Praise God. Just hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Those of you are watching online, you can just put it in the text chat right now. Just text hand raised. Just let us know or click hand raised right now. Praise God. You're not alone. Thank you. Thank you. See those hands. Thank you. Praise God. 
God, thank you that your word is so true. We can trust in you. Thank you, Lord, that you always keep your promises because it's not based upon how good we are, but upon how good you are. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.